0: Sunday night edition of the pod and you may have noticed our our new Sunday tradition here is bringing in a local expert to talk about their team and do a little season review and if applicable, as it certainly is in this case, look ahead to a, a potential playoffs for that team and we're gonna bring in jared weiss of the athletic and the uh boston celtics man at least uh in my opinion for this show so let's uh let's talk about it here jared how you doing man
1: good i prepared a bunch of notes about the coronavirus i guess i must have been prepping for the wrong podcast (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh man i these these discussions are always a, a nice escape from that to, to be sure um so when we last talked it, it was uh we had a, a number of topics uh, to discuss i i think it's pretty clear to me that the celtics have exceeded my expectations for the season i think i had them at like 48 wins they were well on pace to exceed that so at least to date what would your grade be overall for the Celtics? Season compared to your expectations coming in?
1: I'd say A minus. I i guess I'd have him at an A compared to our, rec- our expectations before the season, but I'll give him an A minus just because you can't give a team an A when they're not the Milwaukee Bucks. So on that scale, I'll give them an A minus. I mean, they're fifth in offensive rating, fourth in defensive rating, which I think is the biggest surprise considering what they lost this offseason. And Stevens figures it out every single year. I don't know how, but he somehow figures out how to get a great defensive scheme going. It's seemingly regardless of yeah. who he has for personnel. Uh, but they, they've they been cohesive. They've been potent. I mean, they've been kind of everything that they weren't last season. And they were on pace for about 57, 58 wins. So I think I, think I had them at 52 wins this year. And that was... That wasn't necessarily modest. That was the like the front office, the ownership, basically saying that this year was supposed to be a bridge year to contention next season, and they're already right there in contention this year. They're obviously not on the same plane as the top-tier teams, but they're like just close enough that they are still in contention. So I think that deserves an A-minus at the least.
0: I mean, top five offense and top five defense, usually that is... That's an elite team right there, yeah. Yeah, usually that's that's championship contention. And yeah, I think they've exceeded my expectations uh, on offense a little bit, but on defense uh, a ton. So you, you mentioned Brad Stevens... And is that who you give the lion's share of the credit to? Because I, I kind of thought this defense would be in you know, tw- the 12-13 range, something like that, looking at their personnel, particularly what they lost at, at center with Al Horford and not really having a defensive stalwart there. So give me like, some of the big reasons for the success uh, defensively.
1: Well, I think the first thing is Tice, and that that name is going to come up a lot. And you know, Daniel Tice is replicating so much of what Al Horford did defensively that it's kind of remarkable. Um, it, I mean, his they've limited it so that his his main function in the defense is as a drop defender and pick and roll, and he's doing it just about as well as Horford did. And Horford was maybe the best in the league at that, and Tice has been pretty close to that. He's just he he reads the screens really well. He positions, he positions himself just right he's able to take in pretty much anybody driving on him and go vertical without fouling and contest at the rim you know he's not a he doesn't really block that many shots but he's one of the best in the league at contesting with verticality at the rim and getting a stop so i mean he does he's he's like the perfect defender for this system in that he doesn't do anything like really exceptional but he executes his job pretty much to perfection and he puts in effort throughout the possession, and he lets all their really talented perimeter defenders do their job. So it's just been kind of a a perfectly cohesive system this year.
0: Was he always this good?
1: No. Oh, no. It was... His first year, he like was getting bullied on the block. He didn't really understand angling in the pick and roll. He would get blown by pretty easily, caught on his heels. And then last year, I think things started to change where he started to kind of pick up the scheme better. He started calling out um, the screens. He started calling out what coverage they were going to do. They're a team that ices most of the time, um, and then they switch up against certain teams, especially late in games. But they're generally in ice, and the big man has to call out icing really early because I need to give the guard a chance to get himself into position on top of the screen and that was something that he wasn't doing that well last year and this year he's doing it really well and that's why their pick and roll defense has been so great so I think he's probably you know Tatum gets so much attention for his transformation off really on both ends of the floor but Tice might have grown the most out of anybody with his role on defense
0: I thought that he looks much more like his first year it seemed like his reputation was like all right kind of bouncy skinny backup center could go up and get some alley oops finish it on the pick and roll last year I thought after he had that surgery at the end of his first year I didn't think he had the same athleticism and like that quick pop seems to be back to me now do you agree that he seems more athletic this year
1: yeah it's his lateral movement has just gotten so much better he was definitely dragging a little bit last year you know this year it's not just that he can get off the ground which is his I mean he's he doesn't have a huge vert but he has a really good second jump so he can he's really good at leaving his feet and getting back up there and being able to contest if he was biting on an up fake or be effective on the glass but I think the big thing for him is his hips got way more fluid so he doesn't get blown by by more athletic players now and he can actually really stay with them and his ability to react to you know quick changes in the play has gotten a lot better so he just he, he doesn't he just keeps the ball in front of him and as a center that's kind of your biggest responsibility in the modern defensive scheme.
0: Have you had any conversations either, either with him or people around the organization about how it was that th- this transformation came about?
1: I, I think health is definitely a big part of it. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I mean, he he's not much of a talker. <laughs> um <laughs> and uh i've I've tried to work that story a few different times. He's given a lot of praise to just Al Horford and Aaron Baines teaching him a lot. and I mean the the big the big storyline with him this year has been his seals on offense, and people have really kind of caught on to that. um he's be- that's become like one of their biggest tools in their offense. But I think one thing that he that he did tell me earlier in the year was just that he learned a lot from Horford on how to kind of read what's happening in a pick and roll early on and how to position himself and so i think just this year he probably just i think got more reps and opportunity and i think he just has had enough opportunity in the league at this point that it's kind of settled in for him
0: so uh, i'm going to skip around my my outline a little bit here but would he be your choice for the biggest positive surprise on this team this season
1: yeah, I think so. I mean, the like Tatum, that that whole storyline is kind of crazy, but it's not out of the realm of possibility for his, uh, you know, for for what we're projecting out of him long term. While Tice, I feel like was a pretty known commodity at that point, and it was already old enough and far long enough in his career that you just didn't really see a big change in his capability coming. So to see him kind of transform into one of the top defensive centers in the league, seemingly out of nowhere, I think that was just such a big surprise. That while it may not have been the most impactful improvement of the season it was probably the most surprising aspect of the season
0: yeah I mean there's no shortage of candidates on this team as you would expect when they've exceeded expectations as much as they have and you you could say Jalen Brown or uh, Jason Tatum could be candidates for that uh, on most teams as well
1: yeah I mean Jalen Brown I feel bad for the guy because he he's just been overshadowed so much by Tatum and what he's doing but if Jalen Brown was on any other team he'd be seen as this like incredible young prospect emerging superstar but he just gets overshadowed shadowed by everything that happens with Tatum
0: yeah I mean I thought at the time that the all-star teams were selected that Brown had as good a case as Tatum did it to make the all-star team now then Tatum went on this awesome run after that and I'm sure we'll talk about that as well but yeah I mean Brown to me I think he still should have made it over say Sabonis for example on the the East all-star team what's been the difference for him this year it seems like he's just taken incremental steps forward in a lot of me.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like every single season's been pretty much a similar step forward for him, where his handle has just gotten tighter and tighter. He's now, I think, handling the ball in traffic with enough confidence that he no longer has his eyes on the ground trying to like keep his dribble alive, and he's starting to actually open up his field division vision and he's one of those guys that really had blinders on for the first few years of his career and he's finally getting to that point that he can actually be a playmaker and actually give this offense more I guess uh more of a circular feel to it where it's actually cycling the ball and that's a, been a big part of their success this year and he just he has so much he has so much control over his speed and the paint and he you know I think most athletic wings when they get to the league they're kind of a line drive attacker they just try to hit that hole that they see in the paint as quickly as possible and think that they can just jump through it and use their athleticism and their reach to get to the rim and that was him his first couple years and he started to kind of slow down develop some mid-range games some floaters last year and then this was the year where it just it all kind of blended together and I mean, his finishing ability has always been pretty incredible. I know he doesn't shoot amazing at the line, but he has all sorts of dynamic finishes. He can finish with both hands, he can take contact and finish through it in the air. And I think this was just the year where he showed that. I think as time goes on, he gets stronger, gets more confident, gets more ambidextrous, that he's going to be a really deadly finisher. And then he's just become a really kind of locked down, spot up shooter where you can get, you can uh, hit him, you can just swing the ball to him in a catch and shoot scenario. And he's going to catch the ball, go into a hop, and just immediately set his feet and fire away with the guy in his face. And. Now he's shooting pretty much over 40% in tightly contested scenarios like that, and so This I think this season was the year that he needed to perfect his catch and shoot ability and start to show his pull up three ability and all of it's pretty much come along.
0: Yeah, to echo a few things that you said that I thought you mentioned his patience now, especially in the paint. I think that's for a lot of young players, especially guys who have a lot of strength. The way he does to just trust their strength and not feel like oh I have to go a million miles an hour, beat beat everybody, get to the rim as fast as I can. And now that he's kind of slowed down a little bit, he can process everything. that's happening he can make some of the basic reads uh that he was missing before uh and, and just to put some stats uh, on what you're talking about pretty close to a career high on threes uh he was 40 percent in the 17-18 season but 38 percent this year i think maybe on some more difficult attempts as well career high in shooting at the rim now over 70 percent. and i agree with you that he had a lot of natural finishing ability and you know he would get up for some big dunks but he'd also blow a lot of pretty easy ones yeah in the past and i think that that's now he's managed to become more consistent uh in addition to uh some of the athletic gifts uh, that he has career high in usage nearly 25 percent uh career high in true shooting 59 percent so it's really a career high in free throw percentage as well that was one of the reasons that i always was kind of skeptical of his shooting because he was shooting in you know the mid 60s he's up uh, around 73 percent now for that so yeah it really has been a, a career year for him and a what did you think of the contract extension that they did which was uh, 103 million guaranteed could be worth as much as 115 million over four years what did you think of that at the time
1: i mean i wrote at the time that they were basically paying him what his value will be by the end of the season and that lasted for a few weeks i mean it was pretty clear as soon as the season got started that he was already worth that money so that's a steal for them and that's huge for them because it you know they know that tatum is going to be a max player five he's going to get a five-year max that's obvious and it's going to by just saving a little bit on brown it's just going to give them a little bit more flexibility where you know they might have like they they might still be able to have the full mid level this off season and then just as they go down the road it's going to reduce that tax burden so much that it's going to give the owners maybe a little bit more Confidence and using some of the exceptions that they have, or giving bigger contracts out with bird rights down the road, just because the hit isn't going to be so bad on the multiplier tax.
0: Um, quick aside here: Do you have a a feeling about what this team is likely to spend? I mean, I I've always felt to them as like you know ten or fifteen million above the tax, maybe, but they wouldn't go into this like crazy Warriors Brooklyn Nets style of spending.
1: Oh, I th- I think that they will. I mean, the Warriors are pushing. The- the, the word crazy beyond its bounds at this point when it comes to spending so yeah um you know the celtics don't have a new billion dollar stadium opening up although they are they are completely revitalizing that neighborhood and they seem to have their their hands and a lot of the projects going on from what i've heard so maybe they are getting enough revenue coming in from the refurbishments around the stadium that they're gonna be able to afford to go really deep into it but I mean, they've they've always been pretty adamant that they would spend whatever they need to spend to build a, a dynasty team, and they've been working on on building a dynastic team for a long time. Like their original like 10 year plan a couple of years ago was have a team that can contend right now and then transition to a team built around Tatum and Brown that could that can then again contend in a few years and they they had to kind of push past phase 1 pretty quickly and get into phase 2 but they've always they've always been in a situation where they're expecting to be pretty close to the tax for a long time and then eventually have to dive deep into it and so I mean, right now they have four max players on their roster. So they, I think they're pretty committed to having to spend as much as they can. So I I would expect that they would probably be willing to go into the 200s at some point. But I think they would have to, I think it's just, it's kind of like most owners in the league. It's like you have to prove that you're competing for the title every single year to be worth it. And they're getting pretty close to that point
0: yeah uh, next year should be pretty interesting they don't have a lot of flexibility they project to be well into the tax uh, about 10 million into the tax uh, including their draft picks uh, and uh, assuming that hayward opts in so you you're really you're looking at uh and then if the tax goes down then we could be looking even more so and that's with you know they'll have a lot of players i don't think they, i don't expect a ton of turnover on this team unless it trades you know they're not going to be but i i could see them maybe not using the full taxpayer mid-level this year um you maybe some of that would depend on whether Cantor opts in whether he comes back or not as well um all right let's take a quick break here and then we we got lots more to get to with Jared in just a second okay so I got a little sidetracked but but I wanted to get to some of those topics with you what are the biggest things that the team has learned about itself this year
1: uh I think the value of clearly defined offensive roles has been a pretty uh pretty strong lesson that's been learned over the past year you know last year there was Kyrie and then everybody else pretty much and that got really messy and this year it's been Tatum is the closer he's pretty much established himself as the closer and the go-to score Jalen Brown has settled in pretty nicely around that they're very lucky in that they've brought in a point guard who's been taking way too many shots most of his career and he's pretty happy to just sit back and take what comes to him and then pass it as much as he needs to And they're still getting him his shots in. Hayward is probably the only person that is, I mean, unfortunately, it's just always going to be this way for him with this team. But Hayward's the only guy that I think wishes he could get a little bit bigger role in the offense, but he's still getting his fair share. So it's not like he's completely marginalized the way that he was last year. So I think because of that pretty clear hierarchy that they have this year, as long as Tatum is stepping up to the plate and fulfilling his role, they've been in great shape.
0: Yeah. And that's really when the, when they took off because Tatum to me did not have the greatest start to the season. You know, his true shooting is ho- hovering around, you know, 50, 51% for a lot of the year. And then he started going crazy with those threes and the step back three pointer has become this huge weapon for him. You uh, can do it going either direction, but especially deadly to his left. Um, it is, What he was doing over the last month and a half or so, is that sustainable to you or is that a little bit over his head? It was it was probably a little bit over
1: his head, and it was starting to come back to earth a little bit. And they had a losing streak where he was playing kind of up and down during that streak. And he still is the player that's going to have a few twelve point games in between a couple thirty five point games. And that'll I mean that'll iron itself out. He's it only 20, 21 or twenty two. I always forget. Well, he's he's nineteen technically, so he's still nineteen years old. So you know it's uh, <laughs> as a joke goes, but you know he's so young. It's like whatever. That's going to even itself out eventually. But he um that during that streak he was incredibly hot he was playing with an unbelievable unbelievable amount of swagger that hasn't really changed it's just that he's going to go through streaks where he's just not hitting every single setback 30 footer that he's taking so you know i think the style of play that he was playing with the shot selection he was playing with he's probably going to be able to do that pretty consistently and if he's doing that he's going to be a 25 point score at least in the near future or immediate future i guess um so I don't really expect that to change much. The big, the biggest change for him, that which is what makes it sustainable, was that when he came into the season, he knew that he needed to be more aggressive getting into the paint, and he had about five or six different types of attacks and moves that he would use to finish. And he just needed a lot of time to figure out how that works against different defenses, against different types of centers, whether it's Rudy Gobert or whether it's somebody really small. And... I think it just he needed like half a season to go through the process of trying and failing, going back into the film, working with his trainers to figure out what are the angles that he needs to be taking, when does he have to anticipate the contact, things of that nature and I'd say probably around late December, that's when it really started to click for him and I think I wrote a story either in late December or early January about how he was just starting to find his rhythm with attacking, he was starting to feel comfortable and he wasn't just like throwing up floaters way too early or taking like the obvious finger roll that could get contested pretty easily. And once he got that rhythm and that rhythm is really stuck for the rest of the season, that's when he started drawing fouls and he started getting to the line somewhere around eight times a game, which is, you know, for a player like him, he needs to be getting to the line eight to 10 times a game if he wants to be a deadly score. And so that part, I think he's figured out. And that's the part that as a, to be a star, when you don't have your shot going that night, you need to be able to go to that part of your game. Consistently, and I think he's finally arrived at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are the two things: getting to the foul line, which, as you mentioned, has gotten better, and uh, also being able to distribute. Now, his game is not—I you know, think he—he he just naturally wants to take more jumpers in isolation. you know He's not as comfortable out of pick and roll, I think, as he is in an ISO situation yet. But I think that doesn't matter as much on this team because they've got Walker, they've got Hayward, they've got other guys who can uh, attack as well. Like he doesn't need need to be uh, he can be finishing the most plays but he doesn't necessarily need to be starting the most plays so he's in a position where he can focus uh, on being a scorer and I do see a lot of times when players are are young players start a season poorly and then they come on towards the end where people are like okay the end is the new normal right he's young he's getting better like that's that's what he's gonna be from now on and and you know certainly he's gotten better i don't expect him to play the way he did at the start of the season going forward but also you can fall into that trap a little bit especially when there's you know he's shooting in probably an unsustainable way i would say from three but you know clearly he's gonna be at least an all-star level of player going forward and, and perhaps uh more than that um anything else that pops out to you about that this team learned about itself uh, this year yeah Definitely and just and just
1: qu- in. and just quickly he's actually oh, yeah. he started to really pick up being a pick and roll ball handler in the second yeah. half of the year uh he got he started to finally understand how to play through traps you know the lakers in that big national tv game where i think the lakers won right uh they yes. started really aggressively trapping him and he started to figure out how to play through that and he got way better at it after that point so I, I think he's going to be a really good pick and roll player. So I'm still very optimistic at him, you know, really breaking through that, you know, third team All NBA level where he probably is going to end up being this season and still, you know, having way more runway to march on. But besides the point, um, other things that they learned this year uh, the importance of transition play. I would say that, you know, I think this year's team was just way better in offensive transition and yeah. that Kyrie
0: is not really a transition guy.
1: No, no. And Kemba I mean Kemba's good at pulling up I guess in transition, but I think he's just really good at uh Attack, trying to attack middle and then look for pass outs especially on the trail guy and they seem to have a really good feel for how to balance their transition attack where Hayward is amazing at running out in transition early he's one, really one of the best in the league at doing that and he'll you'll see if you go and you watch their transition transition possessions no matter where Hayward is on the court he just gets into a dead sprint as soon as the ball changes possession and he's always out ahead and then Tatum tends to be the trail guy and Brown has gotten really good at getting out on the left or right wing depending on where he is but so they've really I think this was the year where they really became a running team even though they're not necessarily a very high pace team but they became a very good running team and that took a lot of pressure off of their offense in the half court
0: what are the biggest unanswered questions so far for, for this team this year um I think that
1: they started to see towards the right when the season was ending, they had a pretty rough run where they had like that game where Karis Levert had 50 points pretty much in the fourth quarter in overtime on yep. them. Um, they had, you know, they, they won the last game of the season against Indiana, but they almost blew that game. And Tatum had a few empty possessions towards the end of that game. He still had one huge play to win it, but... A lot of those games, Tatum was out for that Brooklyn game, but they still lost a few with him in the end there. And in those games, they were Tatum was kind of taking a lot of liberties with his role. He was running a lot of ISO or early pick and rolls, going into a shot pretty early, and it seemed like there was a little bit of exasper or a little bit of exasperation from the rest of the team that Tatum was going a little bit too much into hero mode. crunch time and for about a month and a half before that tatum was doing that and he was hitting every single shot and they were winning pretty consistently but he was in a bit of a cold streak and the last the last presser that he did before the season ended he made a comment where he said that he basically said i that he usually looks for one or two isolations late in the game where he wants to take over and then if that doesn't work then they go into the offensive system and i thought that was a little bit concerning because tatum you know is He's taking yeah. he's taking on the it alpha should dog. Should be the role. opposite of that, right? He's, yeah. You
0: you run the offensive system. If that doesn't work, then you go to the isolation.
1: Yeah. So I wrote a huge feature that I don't think anybody read, but go read it now um, about that situation. <laughs> and I actually I just it was funny. I was supposed to interview Tatum for the piece the day that the shutdown happens, and I was supposed to fly into Milwaukee and meet with them that morning. And then the shutdown happened, so I got stranded in Indianapolis for a while. And uh, I, I finally got to have that conversation with them. So that piece will come out pretty soon. But so. Um, yeah, I wrote this whole story about how as he's. You know his ego, rightfully so, is caught up with the level of play, and the Celtics need to now readjust now that everything is out in the daylight and there's a bit of a, a return to you know the baseline. And so they, if they're going to be, if they're going to win the title this season, assuming the season happens, which is definitely a realistic possibility, unlikely but realistic, you know, a realistic goal for them, they need to recalibrate around the way that Tatum is playing, and they need to have a conversation with Tatum about how to be responsible with these new powers that he has. And so that's something I think they still need to work out Marcus Smart needs to be a part of that conversation, too, because Smart is ironically one of the biggest gunners on the team and really in the league. And he earns himself a ton of leeway, but he also he takes a lot of reckless shots, even especially late in the game. And it's not that they're necessarily bad shots as much as that it's it's a little too much of a heat check when there should be more patience to try to make a better shot happen. And he gets away with it for the most part, but it definitely frustrates a lot of his teammates a lot of the time. but of course he'll do 30 plays throughout the game that make up for it so you can't really you can't really get in trouble for it but they're at a level where they have to be perfectionists because they're just close enough that if they really do play perfectly, they could actually win the title.
0: Yeah, Smart is interesting. I mean, last year probably deserved praise for the amount that he throttled back. His role went down to about 15% usage. And frankly, that's, that's about right to me. And unsurprisingly, it had his only season with a true shooting over the league average this year, he's right back around 52%. And the usage is right back where it was in previous years. And now part of that is, that he has that point guard role on the second unit which are some relatively offensively challenged groups but yeah i mean he'll take some shots late in games and who knows maybe he won't even be out there late in games if they are fully healthy at some point which i think the amount of injuries they had this year has actually been under discussed because they win anyway and it's very impressive um and they've had to go into their bench with which is relatively unproven even though they have all these four really good wings um so yeah i I agree with you i mean the he definitely takes you look at the stats like alright, he's not shooting that much, but he takes some pretty cringe worthy attempts at times. Um
1: and, but the what, important yeah, the, the important thing is that he's also hit like 10 game winning shots this season too. <laughs> so it's that's the problem with smart is that he'll take he'll take a contested 30 footer with 10 seconds left and hit the shot to give you a chance to win it. So it's like he puts up these ridiculous shots, but he hits them just enough that it's still it's still worth having him out there in those situations.
0: What do you see as this team's biggest issue going into the postseason?
1: Uh, probably the the drop off in the quality of their players once you get past Smart, and maybe, and I guess that that issue is mitigated once you get to the playoffs because everyone's playing thirty six or thirty eight minutes a night. Um, you know, like this season, it was their core, like their their four star players were playing somewhere between 32 and 35 minutes. Smart plays about 32 and a half. Tice plays, I think, about 24 minutes a game. And I'm assuming that Tice is just going to be playing probably in the low 30s when they get to the playoffs. And so I guess the question is, does that mean Smart's going to be playing like 40 minutes a game or so? Or are they going to have to rely on some of their supporting stat- cast? And so supporting cast, you have Brad Wanamaker, who's a solid defensive guard that is pretty good at just kind of pushing the ball and just keeping the ball moving but if you put the pressure on him to score or to play make he doesn't really do much of that and you know his shooting is oh, sorry limited yeah
0: it's limited i think is, is fair to say yeah very limited
1: it's funny because he his he's he has like the fastest release on a jump shot i've ever seen in my life it's incredible how fast of a catch and shoot guy he is but he just doesn't shoot reliably enough for them to use him as an off-ball catch and shoot guy and so i I think they were hoping that that would that he would be better at that this season. It just hasn't come to fruition. Uh, and then Grant Williams, he's really good at what he does well, but he gets exposed pretty easily. And he's still still a little early enough in his career to um, to be used like consistently in a, in his defensive role and not make mistakes. He's still makes a few blunders or so every, you know, uh, throughout the game, but he, he's had a few games where they were playing him in crunch time, especially against the Clippers. And he did hold his own for the most part. I mean, Montrez Harrell would literally like NBA jam style dunk on his head a couple times, but otherwise he was actually pretty impressive. So I'm assuming he's probably going to be the seventh man for them when they get to the playoffs, just because he's shooting just well enough after that horrible start that he's, a. Uh, decent enough three and D guy, and he just provides them a lot of versatility. Um, and then Ennis Cantor and Shemi Ojale, they you know they do like one thing really well, and that's pretty much it. Ojale, you know, I think they were really hoping that he would take a step forward as being a better three-point shooter and being better at attacking off of the closeout. And he's made a slight improvement since last season, but it just hasn't been enough for him to like really carve himself out of spot.
0: Yeah I mean he's actually you know 37% from three is not bad but he doesn't take a lot of attempts he doesn't do anything else offensively so you just you get into the playoffs where he doesn't get guarded maybe maybe he could have big moments in the playoffs like because he's not getting guarded he could hit uh, some threes but it's it, teams he hasn't done enough to where teams aren't going to say okay we're going to make this guy beat us from the outside Williams I know the organization seems very high on him from the conversations that I've had at least with even where he is right now I, I think he's Gonna get there. I still have concerns that he's just got a too, few too many rookie foibles. Like he's just gonna get a few too many fouls. He's just gonna make a couple of mistakes here and there. Like you'll see Brad Stevens uh, getting upset with him. Probably it seems to me more than anyone else. uh You know, part of that I think is just because he's a rookie and that's what happens to rookies. And then another guy where the shot is like, all right, you know, maybe he'll make a few, but is he gonna get guarded out there? You know, he's gonna really have to prove that by hitting shots in the playoffs. So I think he's gonna get there. Yeah. Sure. But his offense, in particular, to me, feels a little like Draymond Green in his first year in the league, where you can clearly see the potential defensively and the smarts. Not that he's going to be Draymond Green because he doesn't have those kind of physical tools, but uh but the offense is just like ah, you know he's just not quite doing enough here. So I I, I know that they love him they think that they can do a lot of switching when he's out there, and I think he's just he needs just a that extra like ten percent extra refinement in all areas to really be someone that you're going to trust in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and right now uh, defenses are just completely sagging off of him they're they're literally just sitting in the paint begging him to shoot so you know there's probably there, we i know that there's going to be a game probably against milwaukee if they get that far where there's going to be a game where he's going to get six wide open three pointers and he's probably if he hits three of them then they're going to win if he hits one of them then they're going to lose and it's pretty it's probably going to come down to that
0: yeah especially if they were to match up w- with milwaukee and actually toronto too both of those teams yep. give up a ton of threes and so but obviously our, our great defenses so especially especially those bigs in particular against milwaukee give up a lot of threes to opposing big men um who is the uh or who or what was the biggest disappointment for you on this team this season
1: probably rob williams just because nothing happened with him this year for the most part he was hurt for most of it um he only played i think 300 minutes this year and the I th- there was some optimism that he could uh, over the course of the season improve enough that he could slide into that starting role and give them just a ton of explosive versatility on offense and that just hasn't happened yet mostly just because he hasn't been around to play um but you know and he's he's flashed a little bit of an ability to make them a really dangerous hard rolling pick and roll team i mean he, he's a great lob threat it actually works and it's something that's never really been a part of their offensive scheme I think they're yeah. they're, off, they're better off with Tice in the short term, anyway. But they there's a potential for Williams to be a, a to be their starting center for the future, and he has that kind of talent. But it's two years into his career now and there's really kind of nothing to really work off of to know if it's going to work
0: out yeah you could see him coming in and having a big impact on like a couple of home games in the playoffs perhaps where where, you know the the crowd gets fired up because he gets some dunks he's playing with a lot of energy uh you know he still makes a lot of mistakes obviously as well another really foul prone guy between the fouls and the injuries yeah it's just tough for him to stay on the floor um this one's an obvious answer do you feel better or worse about the team's long-term future? now than before the season
1: Uh, definitely better i mean jail i think jalen and tatum are it's pretty clear they're going to be all-stars and probably all nba caliber players so You know, you have two of those guys that are in their early 20s that that puts you in a pretty incredible position going forward, especially that they're two way wings. You know, the fact that they're both really good two way players, that they're both at the most value position in the league. Yeah, that makes you pretty optimistic about their future Uh, and smart for for the negatives that I said about smart. uh, One, he's proven to be you know he might be the best non-center defender in the NBA now and i actually i actually have a piece coming about it's something i want to ask you about later but about whether or not we should be valuing guards like smart more heavily now with the way that the game is played and the emphasis on point guard shooting and stuff like that so that'd be an interesting conversation to have later but you know smart's only 26 so he's just starting to enter his prime and I still ex- expect him to continue to improve offensively. And he's, he's improved as a perimeter scorer, even if his shooting numbers are down. He, the types of shots that he takes are much more difficult shots than you, you would expect from someone that shoots that percentage. So I think while he's not shooting at league average, if he was taking league average ca- uh, caliber shots, he'd be shooting a lot better. Uh, but he's actually started to become probably their best playmaker I think he's the best passer and playmaker on the team at this point and he's, he's he's shown himself to be really one of the best passers in the league both as far as like making the right reads and having court vision and also making just like spectacular plays like getting steals and throwing behind the back passes to wide open dunks and stuff like that like he makes he just makes so many spectacular plays throughout the game so I think he's just going to continue to be a more and more important part of this team um, and then you know Grant Williams for you know for all the reasons that we said he might not be ready now. I think he's made it pretty clear that he's going to be another core. He's going to be one of those classic Boston Celtics six men that do everything except for scoring pretty much and the, you know, the fans already love him the coaching staff already loves him and then romeo link we haven't even talked about him yet he actually he's he i think he just turned 20 he um about halfway into the season started to show that he's actually a pretty good on-ball defender and I, i've had a few teammates of his say that they think he's actually their best perimeter on-ball defender on the team right now he's really good at wow. mirroring people he's got great lateral quickness really good balance He's really good at getting skinny over screens. And so Stevens, about halfway through the year, started putting him into the main rotation uh, off and on and using him as a specific defensive assignment against mostly off ball guards that were getting thrown into screens and stuff like that. And he did a really good job with it. And he's just he's just shooting well enough to, to be able to be kept out there.
0: I can't quite put him above Marcus Smart personally, but I, I was impressed, especially for a rookie. I thought he showed uh, in so, some of the games that I saw before the hiatus, uh, some pretty decent awareness as a help defender at times. And he's going to make mistakes, but you don't see rookie guards at 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six coming over and actually making plays and help defense very often. And, and I saw him do that. Um, and
1: Stevens hates, yeah. Stevens hates playing rookies out there. If he, had, if he had his way, he could put a rookie in on offense, and as soon as the ball turns over, quickly, like hockey sub, him out that's just the way stevens is uh he he just loses his mind when guys make mistakes on defense and every single one of these like guys like tatum uh brown especially brown uh guys before him like smart and rogier like they got they got a ton of pressure a ton of like you know stevens would yell in their faces he would you know kind of like of Everything that you have thought about Stevens as a stereotype, he is the opposite when it comes to rookies making mistakes on defense and the way that he treats them. And Romeo has gone through the ringer of that and he's come out the other side of it pretty well. And same thing with Grant Williams. So the fact that they're getting those opportunities, I think, says a lot about how they're performing
0: even hayward i think has exceeded expectations this year i mean he did have that time that he missed and there is some discussion of problems with the foot but he seems to have come through that reasonably well and when he was out there he performed you know he didn't have the highest usage you mentioned that but you know he's still i think he might be their best passer personally and uh he uh, has scored very efficiently this year so and he gives them like a nice mid-range element floater element he shoots pretty well on those that they don't have elsewhere in the offense so um and I mean it's it's interesting that we haven't discussed Kemba Walker that much because he was obviously he was supposed to be by far the best player on this team this year and I mean he's been solid and I think he provides an important element but he also he's kind of been overshadowed by some of these other guys
1: yeah I mean it's just that Tatum has turned into a two-way monster and so Kemba's been naturally overshadowed but Kemba's been He has been
0: exactly what they
1: wanted. He's been great. He's been, for one, a huge upgrade over Kyrie. 'Cause they, they don't they don't really need the spectacular individual shot making that Kyrie can give you. Like that's just not that's that clearly last year it was you know kind of throwing off the offense. And then this year, with the way that Tatum and Brown and even Hayward are scoring, they don't really need that. What they need is a reliable pick and roll playmaker that plays good defense, which Walker has been very good defensively this year. He Yeah, the,
0: within his capabilities. He definitely tries, yeah. which is uh I mean Kyrie is probably more physically capable than him with his size but uh Walker is much
1: better. Yeah, but well, Walker executes the pick and roll scheme well. When he gets when he's out of the play, he doesn't just like start running back on offense. Like he still he still gets into the fight. He's really aggressive trying to, you know, dig in on double teams, trying to get onto the boards. Like he he actually tries throughout the possession and that's the thing that they want more than anything. So it doesn't matter whether or not he's an opposing point of attack defender it's like he he executes the pick and roll scheme well and he actually seems to care about contributing consistently on offense defense and that's that's what brad is looking for and i think that's a huge part of why their defense has been better it's because they don't have one player on the floor who doesn't really give a shit after five seconds of play
0: i also think that if there is a matchup against milwaukee that walker is a really good matchup uh, against them because it, it, he is awesome at setting up screens and then he is very capable of pulling that three off the pick and roll from above the three-point line we saw in that game at Milwaukee where they had a nice comeback in the second half they ended up losing uh I think it might have been like November or so where the game where he had 41 he was awesome and and he was really able to draw Brooke Lopez out on the floor and blow by him after he started hitting some threes and so I think he is a pretty difficult matchup for Milwaukee and so maybe he won't be as important in some other matchups but there I think when you can go to him off the pick and roll shooting a three shot actually 53 percent of his shots from downtown this year which was a lot but that's that's the element that he provides that i really like uh, against that milwaukee team
1: yeah so that that was the uh the, the mid-january game where they lost i think by five oh, yeah, yeah. So that that game was a. I was at that game. It was a pretty remarkable game because they were down by I think it was I want to say like seventy six to fifty eight at halftime, and it was yeah, just a t- right. it was a it was like by halftime we were like okay, so the Celtics are really good, but they just they don't say in a prayer against Milwaukee, and I think I think I tweeted in, in the first quarter they're Celtics are gonna have to take fifty threes in this game if they want to have a chance to come back, and sure enough they took I think 49 threes in the, in the end, and they just almost got there, and in the first half of that game, and really the first few games, Kemba just got swarmed by their defense, and the length was killing him, and it just completely took him out of his game, and that was the game where he figured it out, and I I think it was just that he realized that if he attacked quicker over over the screen that he could get there just before Milwaukee was in position and that would either force them that would either give him that isolation opportunity or he at least could split a trap before it actually was there and then he would have a bit of a you know, five on four advantage and so you know I don't know if that's going to work in the playoffs just because I feel like Milwaukee is going to be able to adjust for that but you know Kemba he when he gets trapped really out high on the pick and roll, he's just small enough that teams can really kind of smother the light out of him, and then uh, that really screws up the Celtics. But if Walker's able to face teams that trap him, or at least show him a ton of length up high, and he's not able to get around the screen and get into some space, if he can figure out some way to get around that, that's what actually gives him a chance in those series. But right now, I think the length that like the Lakers have shown and the Bucks have shown is just going to be a little too much for them.
0: Okay, couple more questions here for you. Who is the team MVP so far this year?
1: Uh, Tatum. I mean, he's he's been just the massive playmaker on both ends. I mean, we talked, we already went over his offense, but his defense has been pretty spectacular. He um he's one, he's probably their best help defender right now, or at least, well, now I guess Smart's the best in every facet, but he's he's their second best defender in pretty much every regard. He's really good on ball against most of the best wings in the NBA. He's a really good help defender in both sagging in off of the weak side to pick off passing lanes and also just rotating to be the big when they have Tice or whomever's playing center up up high at the point of attack on the pick and roll. He just... He does every single role that he could fill, whether he's playing as the three or the four in the defensive scheme. He does it all really well. So he's been, you know, arguably their best player on both ends. I I still think Smart's their best defender, and Smart might be defense player of the year, or at least pretty close to it. But Tatum has been, he's been a borderline all defense player this year as well.
0: Who would you say is the rotation player who struggled the most this year?
1: It's got to be Cantor. You know, he was someone that was a starting center on opening night, and there was all this. I even wrote, I went to New York and did a feature on him trying to become a three-point shooter for the, you know, consistently for the first time in his career. Yeah,
0: yeah, we the, <laughs> those features were being written about him uh, for the Utah Jazz back in uh, 2013 <laughs> as well.
1: Actually, I found there was a few of them, but this, but I, I had to do it because Danny Ainge said at his introductory press conference that they think he's going to be a good three-point shooter. So I'm like, all right, I got to do this story. And yeah. he was, he wasn't shooting that well when I got to New York, but I'm thinking he's got a little bit more time to get it into his game. And, uh, I'll look it up real quick. I, I don't know. I haven't seen him take a three in a while. He's taken,
0: um, he is on the, on the year. He is
1: seven, one for seven from
0: three. Yes. So yeah, I saw, I saw 14% and I'm like, that seems like one for seven. Yeah. <laughs> he's it's
1: it's like he took 34 threes last year that's what's so bizarre about it was he just completely abandoned it and you know but
0: but he you can't get an offensive rebound when you're standing at the three-point line either
1: yeah exactly and so you know he does he does what he does very well he's a really good role man he can hard roll he can short roll he can do pretty much all that stuff and he gives them he gives them a chance to be a pick and roll team that actually uses the role man when they want To be, which is, you know, definitely every once in a while. It's a good way to be kind of it gives them a change of pace against defenses when their usual scheme isn't working and um, you know defensively he's he is not a good pick and roll defender that's uh, he's still pretty much in the same place that he's been for most of his career but he's been a really good post defender one-on-one and he's been their best defender against Joel Embiid which has been kind of one of the huge question marks coming into the season was how do they defend some of the best slow post bigs especially Embiid since Embiid was expected to be kind of their big roadblock to contention this year and he's done a very good job in those scenarios and he also has great hands on defense he gets a lot of strips he gets a lot of deflections so even though you know his positional pick and roll defending is pretty bad he does get a lot of deflections to help make up for that so you know he's but uh most of the fans he drives them insane with his play uh there's like a huge weird Celtics Twitter contingency that just completely hates him which I think is probably overblown but he uh, he's someone that I just don't really see being much of the playoff rotation that they thought was going to be a key part of their rotation and who they use their their uh, their mid level on and like they use their mid level hoping he would be the starting center and that just hasn't worked out
0: yeah and he's had some injury issues himself uh, as well that's I think prevented him from getting into a rhythm a, a little bit but a lot of it is just to me he's played about as expected it's just that Tice has been way better than yeah you know, I, I think that was i i don't know that i would have been expecting more out of ennis cancer than they got especially defensively but the fact that he was supposed to be their starting center was a big reason i thought that they would be closer to average defensively and getting what they have from tyson just pushed him into more of a backup center role where he can kind of mash on the boards and uh hopefully score uh two points for every 1.9 that like (laughs) he's giving up on the other end um and you know just keep the offense afloat on the second year i think that's a decent role for him and yeah we'll see you know there aren't that many just like awesome pick and roll guards necessarily that they're going to be going up against in the playoffs you know if they go up against philly or toronto you know it's not going to be the end of the world with him like out in space they don't have these amazing you know pick and roll finishers so that's a and i guess there's little chance they're going to play philly at this point but um oh what would you what would your pick be for a let's say no fan so essentially a neutral court boston versus toronto in the second round who are you picking
1: i so i think the celtics are still a little bit better they've been pretty much neck and neck this season in the regular season although i feel pretty sure there were injuries on both sides throughout that so we haven't really seen them play at full strength i the celtics especially in the playoff scenario where you're really where you're really shortening that rotation i think the celtics are just good enough to beat them um and especially with it I mean so much of it depends on Siakam you know Siakam was elite in their first matchup and he wasn't really nearly as impactful in the rest of those matchups so
0: yeah they don't really have a good matchup for him physically I think he can and that's a big component with Siakam like if he can just use his length get around guys if he's bigger than the guy who's guarding him that's a major problem for them but I think I ultimately would go with Boston though in that matchup I just I think they just have more options to score I think I could see Toronto struggling to score in that series? Yeah, because, I mean, they, they can defend Lowry
1: and Van Vliet really well, and they, they're they they're really good at cutting off the wings from attacking and getting into the paint. They're just so good at preventing teams from getting into the paint, and that's what, I think that's what really makes Toronto dangerous, is if you can allow Lowry or Van Vliet to get that kind of penetration, they can, that's where they can really open you up. And then Gasol has never really been that successful against them, He um and Baca's actually given them fits, and that's another area where they just don't have somebody that Can physically compete with Ibaka when he's really impactful in the paint, but it probably mostly comes down to: Are you putting Tatum on on uh, Siakam, and can Tatum hold his own? Because Tatum's the person that has the physicality or has the length and athleticism to handle Siakam, and he's improved enough as a defender this year that he could probably handle the physicality for the most part. But when Siakam is really at a hundred percent energy level there's just nobody that can really keep up with them
0: yeah there's a lot of interesting matchups. i mean i think ananobi guarding tatum and an iso there might be nobody else in the league i would rather have guarding tatum uh, in isolation so i think that's a, yep. a, a good matchup for toronto and siakam you know boston doesn't have a perfect matchup for him but obviously i mean boston just has more offensive talent i do agree that there are some things that toronto does that can cause problems for boston though like toronto's rim protection like when boston can't get to the rim and they're so dependent on shooting like that that could be an issue but yeah i mean that it could go either way i think if toronto had home court i would probably pick toronto in that series but it looks like there's not going to be a home court necessarily all right let's uh let's close out here give me one word to describe this team's season
1: few with a ph not enough it's uh
0: Huh. they're wiping their
1: brow after last season where their entire long-term plan for a franchise almost completely fell apart and they're going thank god we're still we're still a great team on the rise and we still have the champ- championship potential still have dynastic potential because they uh they seemingly put they put most of their eggs in a basket and it was a very uh very insane basket in Kyrie Irving and it failed and they lost not only him, but Horford, who they thought would still be the glue for their team for a few more years. And they
0: dodged a bullet on that
1: one. Yeah, it looks like they did. Who knows? Maybe if he's still in Boston and he's still in the role that was perfectly curated for him, maybe things would still be fine. But yeah, yeah but it's pretty apparent that Horford and that th- there was an understanding that they weren't, they, they did not want to give Horford a four year deal. They knew that physically that would just be a disaster towards the end. But um, they, They're in better position, I think, long term now than they were last before coming into last season and coming into last season, they thought that they were going to have a potential dynasty on their hands. So, yeah, I think they're just it's relief. It's it's uh you know they still have a great future ahead of them they're i think they're the either youngest or second youngest team in the nba and they're already competing for the finals and their best players are getting better and better and are still relatively early in their development so it's there it's still very optimistic in boston but who knows they could all fall apart based on the way that things have been going the last few years maybe something a plane's going to land on the practice facility or something like that who knows
0: yeah but no i mean when you have a young core like they have now and i mean and this will be something to talk about maybe in the off season of just like uh, what the hell they do with these three draft picks. I don't think they want another three rookies. They can't. They are.
1: They they day. just added five rookies last year. They they got to get rid of them.
0: Well, I mean, maybe they just end up dumping Edwards and uh, who else am I missing?
1: Uh, well, Willie, Grant and Romeo were the other two draft picks, and they're clearly keepers. Edwards, right. I mean, I, I didn't think he really qualified for a discussion in the disappointing oh, section. Oh, about but,
0: like Waters and Fall? Are you including that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Because yeah,
1: okay. both of those guys are making very compelling cases for being on the roster next season, and they're both expecting to make the roster next season. So they have... There's just no way they can keep all those draft picks, and it it doesn't make sense for them to keep all those draft picks. They already have like five five young potential rotation players that they can develop right now. Why bring in more guys unless there's someone in this upcoming draft that they think is really special? But I don't I don't really see anybody towards the back half of the first round that are like, oh, you have to get that guy. So. I think they should be trying to make, they should be swinging some sort of deal to consolidate those assets or ideally find a veteran player for their bench to really bolster them.
0: Yeah, as of now, they project to have the seventeenth, twenty sixth, and thirtieth picks uh, in the first round. All right, thanks a lot, man. Uh, we appreciate it. I'm uh, I'm gonna actually go read your uh, your Tatum late game feature right now. You're correct. I did not read it. I was uh, more concerned you? with the world ending at that time, but uh, <laughs> but now now uh, at least it seems to that seems to have been staved off for another couple of weeks, so I, I can read a little more basketball stuff. Well, hey, read it uh, before
1: the world ends. That's what I say about most of my articles. <laughs>
0: All right, man. Thanks. This this is great. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.